Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Omnia Performance Podcast with myself, Fergus Crawley. And myself, Johnny Payne. And James Blanchard. No, no, you didn't say myself. Yeah, yeah, you uh, can. You, you oh, that, sorry. Yeah. I'm not familiar with all these rules. Sorry. That sorry, everyone. Been, James, James, we're just very off the cuff and hilarious. We didn't plan that at all. And you, you just <laughs> missed out. So uh, familiarity is not the problem. The problem is that people listening thus far have not yet followed or subscribed the podcast. And we would like you to do that at this point. If you have not yet done so, please make sure to rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I don't even know if you can rate on other platforms, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and that's pretty much it. Share this with a friend if there's any value. There is going to be value because today we believe we are going to talk about one of the most hotly debated and most accessible components of hybrid training, the discussion around it, and that is bodybuilding slash hypertrophy training alongside running. Mm -hmm. Most popularized form of hybrid training online, most accessible in terms of kit, climate, gym access, specialist equipment, etc., etc. People want to be jacked. People yeah. want to run. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? it so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Accessible is probably the, the, the right word, I would think. Yeah. So to start the conversation, I know you guys have uh, spoken last week about how things have progressed from James's background and, and, and how we've got to the point that we have now. But James, do you want to start off by giving us a bit of context on your bodybuilding slash hypertrophy focused background and what you felt you were lacking that has now been developed as a result of changing your training focus sure so as we briefly touched upon in the last episode we talked about my kind of power sports background so a lot of powerlifting, sprinting very much towards that kind of like fast twitch side of the spectrum and i always loved getting in the gym so it felt like once my kind of athletic career if we can call it that and um, came to an end I decided actually do you know what I quite like doing stuff in the gym let's do a bit of a bodybuilding focus phase so I got prepped for a few photo shoots made hypertrophy very much like the the cornerstone of my programming and then as you alluded to where I kind of eventually felt like things were lacking especially after going through quite a few should we call them like bulking and cutting cycles especially towards the end of a bulk I was basically just not doing any cardio. So where I might have played rugby in the past or done um, uh, some track work, that side of things was was nicely covered, but I just wasn't doing much aerobic work. So it was a massive hole there. And, you know, it would even get to the point of, say, I'm, I'm not a particularly tall guy. So if I get up into the high 80 kilo kind of mark, I would really notice a difference kind of even going upstairs and stuff like that. And I think you you get to the point where you just think, actually, do you know what? This is pretty stupid. You know, you, you might be feeling pretty jacked and strong but if you haven't got those kind of base levels of fitness there like you know what you're doing with your life what you're doing kind of for your for your longevity that kind of thing yeah you can feel you can feel jacked and look jacked and and often it's going to be it's going to be your own subjective viewpoint isn't it you look in a mirror and and get that feedback that way but then when you as you say you climb the stairs or you try to jog for a catch up with somebody who's two yards ahead and you think oh my god this being jacked is not all you know, <laughs> this is like you said there's something missing you know Did exactly you feel yeah, that I at mean, the time or is that something that you later came to upon kind of opening yourself up to this kind of world of hybrid training is that or, or did you think at the time you know what this is this is this is not right i mean is it's all it's all relative right like i'm probably well de- almost definitely fit enough than i ever have been but difficult to compare that to kind of how I would have felt back at the time. But I mean, we touched upon it in our last pod, Johnny, where we spoke about 
in the first lockdown, someone nominated me to do a 5K, that charity yeah, thing. Yeah. And um, it absolutely battered me. And I think <laughs> that was that was one of the biggest wake-up calls I've had. And that was that was the kind of the catalyst to get me to get in touch with yourself and, and get some coaching. Just because that, that was, as I say, that was one side of things that just wasn't wasn't covering. We've had a few uh, uh, echoes of that, haven't we? Uh, I think Alex at one point talked about the same thing, thinking... Yeah, 5K. I mean, we, we talked about it last time. 5K will be all right. That's easily within my wheelhouse. And after yeah. doing a bit, you're like, this is not in my wheelhouse. It's that ego protection thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You think like, yeah, 5K yeah. is nothing. It's fine. It but doesn't actually exactly that. Yeah, yeah. can put you in the bin. If you go too hard, too fast as well, you can, after 1K, you can be really in trouble. Uh, especially <laughs> oh, somebody man. like James, who's, who's got that kind of capability of, of high, yeah, fast yeah. bursts of speed. But then you kind of get found out, don't you, when you realize that kind of, aerobic capacity doesn't allow you to follow that up with any uh, you know over, over that kind of distance so well lads if you sprint a marathon you're gonna win so we'll all we'll all try it at some point <laughs> won't we? i think i think let, let's rewind for a bit of context before we make it a bit more accessible and generalized because what i'm interested in from a selfish point of view is how you felt when you were really in the depths of prep yeah that mm-hmm. sort of real tale four to six weeks where things are pretty brutal and how that compared to the other end of the spectrum where you were sort of peak chonk at the higher end of the 80 80- <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we'd all straight face that back in peak chonk, peak what chonk. a phrase. Anyway, enough oh, of it's that. All, it's all gone peak chonk. That's, yeah. the, that's yeah. the new thing. All right, crackle. Oh, dear. Um, yes, so peak chonk versus uh, minor chonk is top end of 80s. What, what did you bottom out at body weight wise? Uh, 72.9, I think it was at my leanest. So 70, so there's, there's essentially a 10 kilo variance. Well, no, sorry, closer to 15, 17, something like that kilo variance, I'd imagine. But essentially there were, yeah. na- there were there were diminishing returns at the top end and diminishing returns at the bottom end. Just to set the scene of those that maybe come from a physique background or a really getting lean background, I know personally when I get really lean, I can't maintain it from a performance point of view because I feel terrible. So yep. maybe for four to six weeks, I can do it. But I do feel like my performance and recovery starts to take a big hit, mm-hmm. which is why I've never really committed to getting mad jacked and staying mad jacked. I sit at a reasonable body shape most of the year, but it's always performance focused. So anything aesthetic is really a byproduct. There's never a, I would like to look X or Y in the mirror goal for me. And that's something that actually I did away with when I was younger because I did used to focus on that and realized when I was lean, I felt terrible. So from your perspective, having done it more diligently, what were the really demanding elements of being super lean and holding on to it for the photo shoots and things you've done in the past where you were like thick skin jacked? So, I mean, you've got a caveat, right? From some people are going to be able to handle it better than others. And, you know, we've all got those people that kind of somehow inexplicably managed to stay absolutely shredded year round and be absolutely fine. But from a personal like point me. of view, yeah, much like yourself. But yeah, no, for, for myself, the, um, yeah, to be honest, the main issue for me was a mood disturbance kind of thing. Mm. And that's not even just kind of from the point of view of like, oh, you get all stroppy. It's more like your motivation to train goes down the toilet even. It can, it can get to that point. Or it's, um, it might be like the fatigue. So generally speaking, you're, if you've not got much food coming in and you're in that real low state of energy availability, you're you're not going to be able to perform, right? And so, yeah, so recovery from a recovery point of view, that absolutely sucks. Ability to actually fuel your training sessions is incredibly hampered as well because 
you're constantly thinking about your diet trying to drive a calorie deficit or or depending on what kind of phase of dieting you're in it might be you're just trying to maintain a low body weight that's going to make a massive difference as well you're not uh gearing your fueling towards actually fueling your training it's more towards a body composition point of view so if you are doing these really taxing energy systems training sessions or cardio training sessions whatever you want to call it you're going to be on the back foot somewhat by default and i think that's probably the biggest issue um and something that if someone does want to have these kind of uh dual goals between body comp and training like a hybrid athlete that's something that needs to be kind of very very much finely tuned it's, it's interesting as well because i think we, we we set off on a let's highlight the 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 peak ends of the spectrum but i think for the majority of people listening and where we would probably recommend people with these goals sit is in the middle somewhere which is if you have a hypertrophy focused set of goals i.e you're training in a certain rep range your volume is xyz and you just want to get a bit bigger a bit more jacked whilst building your aerobic capacity running capacity improving your 5k time running your first marathon whatever it might be there are lots of things to consider so I think it's important that we've highlighted both ends of the spectrum whereby the traditional bulking cutting cycle if you're trying to get on stage or prepare for a photo shoot and get really really shredded that's probably a more nuanced conversation that we won't touch on in detail today because the individuality of when somebody gets under eight percent body fat or when somebody is really top end bulking side of things because there's obviously different appetites and other things to bear in mind ultimately is out with our wheelhouse of expertise from a real specific having lived through it point of view because i've never i've never committed to a huge bulking cycle other than to be fair the first 16 years of my life <laughs> i just ate everything in sight but the middle ground johnny main considerations for somebody that would come to us saying i would like to get a bit bigger a bit stronger ultimately a bit more jacked whilst also preparing for my first half marathon uh if the first thing that springs to mind for me with bodybuilding and, and uh, running uh, being, being the main drivers here, I think bodybuilding, correct me if I'm wrong, James, from, from your perspective as a coach and as an athlete, I actually think that that's quite possibly one of the hardest to manage. I agree. Uh, because you've, there, there is a lot of volume to be considered. There are uh, you know various different splits and body parts and this thing and that thing. And, and, and obviously if bodybuilding itself is the goal, then we're not just looking at being kind of just bigger. We're, we're looking at a, a sort of a very specific approach to it. And then there's the, the wear and tear um, because of the nature of the, the rep schemes and all the rest of it and, and the load. There's the wear, on, wear and tear on the tendons, et cetera, which, you know, depending on which side of a deficit or surplus you're on, can become quite wearing quite quickly. So I think that the main consideration or the first consideration we have to look at is volume, overall volume, uh, especially on the, uh, the the resistance training side of things, obviously as as a, as a whole as a program, but I think that's probably where we need to kind of focus our attention, and then talking with the athlete, having the athlete understand that we will be doing certain things with the running. There'll be certain things that that the running can contribute. There'll be certain things we have to consider as being perhaps deleterious that the running might be doing, that we'd have to then factor into the entire volume. So, if somebody's coming to us with a with a background of bodybuilding, we we will have to recognize that we still have to bodybuild, but it won't be quite in the same manner as if they were doing a traditional bodybuilding uh, program. Uh, and I think you and I, uh, as, as coach athlete in that sense, uh, kind of went through that quite quite easily because you have a, a, a very considered approach and, and you kind of understood it. But there's still 
again, correct me if I'm wrong, there's still elements of that where you probably looking at it thinking, oh, but I haven't got my X or I haven't got my Y in here. Is this going to be enough for me? And you kind of had to go through the journey, I think, didn't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, I, I never would have believed you from the start having such like a low training volume. I think at some points we were probably, what, even training each muscle group maybe once per week. Yeah. Um, had the volume per body part, like, average of like maybe eight sets per body part which is yeah. by most people's standards is pretty low right but yeah, yeah. it was what needed to be done especially in those early stages um before we kind of ramp things up a little bit higher and i i, I guess like you know tell me if you agree or disagree but it's that the whole perspective of having that minimum effective dose in place first yeah and i think steadily the- ramp, ramping our way up rather than you know trying to take bodybuilding program as is adding some other shit to it and hope that it works yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Man. I think I think that minimum dose, uh, and, and then working from there makes per- it makes sense across the board, doesn't it? With with any uh, uh, pursuit, in my mind. Uh, but I think bodybuilding is where it's it's the most uh, easy to highlight and and the most easy to get wrong. Most easy is that is that bad English? Easiest, the easiest. Yeah, you could have probably just I could have just gotten away with that. that yeah, yeah. shot yourself in the foot. Continue. <laughs> But uh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Once a week uh, uh, on each body part, which I mean, that, that's that's not uh, something that's unusual. It's just a, a different approach, maybe to the one that you'd had. That's certainly bodybuilding. Some people favour that kind of split. I think that's useful from a hybrid perspective because it allows us to to uh, to play with recovery a little bit better. Which is exactly where I was approaching it from your perspective. Is is that uh, you know we, we do legs on one particular day and and we we play with the intensity and volume load that, as we as we like to do, but. Uh, it also allowed us the opportunity to then have that body part recover before we had to go again, because ultimately we're doing a lot of resistance training. It's worth being completely honest here because I don't want there to be any misconceptions from our point of view and a sales or marketing point of view that the background of the athlete is imperative when making these considerations because James came from a background of having a lot of muscle mass and the research on the amount of volume required to maintain the muscle mass that is already there versus the amount required to build more the disparity is enormous. So the big psychological thing that needs to happen for those with that background is that you need to go into maintenance mode on one thing in pursuit of another for a small period of time. It's it's dialing one dial down to turn the other one up. And then slowly but surely you can turn on the other dial up, turn the other dial up, I'll enunciate myself more there, and then find that equilibrium and minimum effective dose for the individual. If somebody came to us that's just getting into training, they've sort of been arbitrarily lifting and arbitrarily running as they go, it's a very different consideration because the example of James is he came with muscle mass, real, real big strength base, which means there's a lot of work that we can hold on to with a minimum amount of volume, yeah, eight sets yeah. a week per body part, for example, to create the room to build the aerobic base, which has now allowed you to run multiple ultras, still be mad jacked, still be mad strong, et cetera, et cetera. But we've only got there through looking at you as an individual from the start. If somebody came to us that was a relative beginner in both, can you progress in both concurrently? Yes. Are the considerations exactly the same? No, I don't think they are because as you've already mentioned, the tendons, the demand, the volume here, the volume there is going to be a different set of considerations, which probably means a bit more individual focus in terms of what they respond well to, what they don't respond well to. I know there's certain movements that I do from a hypertrophy point of view that will just blow up my legs. I know there's certain movements that I can do for weeks and weeks and weeks every single day, six times a day in my upper body and nothing will grow. It's yep. just, a, it's kind of the individuality there that's worth bearing in mind. And that's something that you can do as an individual listening, watching, or through the expertise of a coach who can keep a closer eye on how you're developing over time. But 
I want to make crystal clear that I was at an advantage with my hybrid training coming from a strength background. James was at an advantage coming from a strength and bodybuilding background. Somebody listening that wants to squat 140 and go sub 10 and Ironman will be at an advantage if they come from being able to do a sub nine Ironman already, et cetera, et cetera. There is no one way to skin this proverbial cat. And, Everybody's going to have yeah. some kind of physical bias, aren't they? And, and, but if, as you say, if somebody's coming from a very fresh perspective on both, there's actually room for what's interesting about the, the James scenario versus that one is that we were, we were able to talk with James and, and kind of there might have been a psychological attachment to certain ways of training. There That's a big thing. In the, yeah, in the exactly. Yeah, big thing there, isn't it? And, yeah. there, and there might have been, a, 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 I guess, a psychological attachment to specific exercises, which we may or may not have. have and actually, you came with injury as well, didn't you, James? So we had to kind of play around that a little bit. Um, yeah, somebody knew we're, we're going to we don't have those uh, uh, favorites, if you like, already. So we kind of play with certain things. But then we get to we get to work with them directly. And if somebody's doing this on their own, they have to experiment a little bit in a, in a in a physical way with with the different exercises that they've got. Because you and I could be doing the same exercise, and as you've just said, you'd be getting much more from one than I'm, than I'm getting just because of the the length of my you know femur or humorous yeah. or whatever it might be something it would have been really cool if we did the same bone lab, <laughs> <wouldn't> it? <laughs> it would have been humorous yeah <laughs> so Very yeah good. so there's all these there's all these different uh, uh personal things and the bodybuilding speaks to that in, uh, in a very direct way as well because obviously if we want muscles to grow we need to know whether or not you have the the right angle and the, and the right uh, uh, anthropometry good god that didn't come out well <laughs> I think uh, for the sake of rounding this up so people have some clear takeaways, let's do two each and go around the houses and give a clear consideration for somebody who wants to build their running capacity and focus on hypertrophy. So I'll kick things off in that if you are coming from a hypertrophy slash bodybuilding background, you will typically have a higher body mass and higher body weight, which means that you will not be able to tolerate the same amount of volume that running thread X online says that you need to be able to develop to a 5k. So bear in mind that your tendons, your general structures are going to take a bit more of a beating from the impact. You might not be as skillful with your running from the off, for example. So you need to be quite cautious and steady and listen to how your body is responding to things as you go. Being a heavier body mass isn't a limiting factor. It's just something to bear in mind. So please do when planning out your programming, if you're doing it yourself rather than using us is to bear in mind that your volume is not going to be directly translatable to somebody that's just running and building their volume there. So please bear that in mind. Johnny. Yeah, I think I'd like to touch back upon the psychological element. I think that uh, even when somebody's coming to something like, like bodybuilding fresh, um, they'll still have ideas and still have a kind of a, a viewpoint on it that might be, for want of a better word, myopic, based on what they see in a bodybuilding environment. And I think that we would have to temper that with uh, temper that enthusiasm with uh, the, the understanding that, as you said, volume needs to be controlled on that. And we're trying to do two things at once. So we need to kind of make sure that, that that's understood. And I think that's key is just understanding the, uh, the, the, the platform that you're, you're trying to grow from as opposed to thinking, well, it's bodybuilding and running uh, or, or the other way around is running and bodybuilding. It's both. So therefore both have to be kind of considered across the spectrum if you like james i would say if you're training in this concurrent fashion and we've already touched upon having to maybe reduce your weight training volume making sure that those sets that you are doing are of good quality 
because if you're going from i don't know 15 sets per body part per week down to let's call it eight roughly 50 percent you want to make sure those sets count right you've got much more limited chance to actually make them do what they're meant to be doing so training close to failure if not to failure if it's appropriate and um, i think that's a that's a big one and i think as a slight aside people who do often do these higher volumes if they really take a good hard look at it they're honestly quite often not actually doing all of those sets with very good quality anyway a lot of them might actually be training to five to six rpe for example when really you want to be pushing most of the time towards a seven to ten kind of end of things and mm-hmm. um, yeah i think that's a that's a key key part of it just worth adding this might be an odd way to put things but it's, it's worth considering is that bodybuilding in of itself is an inefficient way to use muscles by which I mean, this, you, this is a rabbit hole. Yeah, to a degree, but it's but it, I'll make the point quite quickly and clearly is that if you're doing something, let, let's look at leg extensions, and we want you to consider a tempo. We're not rushing at it. We're not trying to ping the whole bar up and all the rest of it. But we're trying to work the full length, the full uh, range of motion of the muscle. It's normal to, to your body wants to find efficiency. Okay, so if you're doing these exercises and, and being slow and careful for the th- full range of motion. It's, it's actually inefficient. It's not the fastest way to move it, is it? So we have to learn to do that. As James says, there's, there's skill involved, a lot of skill involved in bodybuilding that people don't seem to recognize quite a lot. But then if you flip that on its head and look at the running, we want you to be as efficient as possible. So you're actually learning two different ways of addressing the skill that, that your body is trying to learn across two different mediums or two different uh, areas. So I think it's worth remembering, uh, really touching on what, what James said there, that it's a... It's all skill driven and it's all based on what it is that you're looking to get from it. But recognizing that they're different skills means that you, you've got to recognize in amongst that that you're learning new things. And therefore, there's got to be space within that program for your body to catch up and for you to take the time to do that. So train with intent based on the intended stimulus and demand of each session, yeah, essentially. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Cool. Um, nutrition. In terms of bodybuilding understanding, I think bodybuilding in the modern world has the best understanding of performance nutrition out of any corner of the industry. I think there are some endurance cohorts that are still quite a long way behind understanding energy balance. And rather than just thinking, oh, some foods are bad, some foods are good, you should eat this, you should eat that, or I'm going to try keto because this person said it, et cetera, et cetera. Bodybuilders have a fantastic understanding of energy balance and nutrition, which is something that's a huge advantage. However, understanding the impact of endurance volume on top of your daily BMR, et cetera, is something that requires a bit of a, a restock on how you normally view things. Because again, like you've said, bodybuilding can become my, quite myopic if you're doing it for a long time, for want of a better phrase. But you might believe that my maintenance is 3000 calories. And therefore, you might make the mistake of adding in three runs a week and staying at your maintenance of 3000 calories. Whereas you might inadvertently end up putting yourself into quite a sizable deficit because each time you're running at a higher body mass, as I've already indicated, you're burning a decent amount of calories. So a 5k at an easy pace at 90 kilos would burn about three to 400 calories. If you're doing that three days a week, even if it's an easy pace, doesn't feel like hard work, you're 1200 calories out at the end of the week within the context of seven days. So just be diligent in understanding your outputs and readdressing the bottom line no tracker is perfect there's always people commenting well no i don't track what i eat and work from it in calories because it's inaccurate it's more accurate than you guessing isn't it (laughs) so (laughs) strava have a bigger budget for r d than you do kevin but 
the bottom line is we we recommend Kevin. eating better. Yeah, so there was a, I don't know. If, maybe there's a guy called Kevin that's actually commented. This, he's but, ripped. He's looking at you yeah. now. Yeah. What are you talking about? everything. Yeah. So we my recommendation that I've always always loved from YouTube because it purely came logically to me is eat back ninety percent of the calories that your Garmin, Sunto, Corox, Strava, Apple Watch suggest you've burnt, and then that way, if it's overestimating, you're not eating the entire amount. If it's underestimating, then okay, you're maybe a couple hundred calories out, but that little galaxy ripple that was sitting on the side of the side of the, the, the sort of to the right of the fridge that you just grabbed and didn't put in my fitness pal, that'll bring you back to balance anyway. So just essentially take restock, recalibrate based on your outputs because it's easy to get th- get stuck in your way of thinking this is the way that I am, and therefore adding endurance volume might change that. So you've got to readdress the balance. Just to, oh, sorry, no, go on. Sean, no, no, crack go. On, no, 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 James. I was, I was just going to say, in addition to that, you mentioned about maintenance. I think unless people sit on the extreme ends of the spectrum of being incredibly lean or light body weight versus like having a high level of body fat or being very overweight, I think the majority of people can do well just trying to aim for maintenance the whole time anyway. I think you know how we can observe very measurable, quite relatively quick increases in fitness strength when it comes to stuff like hypertrophy it's so slow mm-hmm. almost so slow it's difficult to actually quantify over like a meaningful period of time so it, you i think the best policy for most folks is to try and actually just keep their calorie intake at maintenance we know that even if we're in a deficit we can still build muscle mass but being at maintenance calories is actually a really really good spot to sit and let things happen slowly Make sure that you're well fueled. Make sure you're under fueling. Make sure you're not over fueling, and you'll be in a pretty, pretty good spot, I'd say. Yeah, it's an interesting one there. And again, another rabbit hole. But I'd, I'd underline that for all all hybrid training, really, it's the best place to be. Isn't yeah. it? Is uh, maintenance or just almost in a, in, a, in, a, in a tiny, tiny surplus? Two, just two and a half percent. Is yeah, what, something what I like that. For, just generally. just something that's going to allow to drive that that performance forward and allow for kind of errors and judgment and you know overdoing things or whatever but uh, it's it's yeah it's a great it's a great point to make people think go on mate sorry no i was was just gonna say i think people see maintenance as a bit of a dirty word i think it's negative but actually it's it's really not it is 100 percent where the sweet spot is for most people again we talked about i think we we mentioned about that kind of pendulum swing earlier somewhere middle of the road is normally the best place to be yeah you know it's it's boring as fuck (laughs) it seems it seems boring it's not sexy but yeah 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 moderation is key Uh, and i think um it's probably worth underlining that this isn't particularly hybrid this or hybrid that but I think with bodybuilding, correct me if I'm wrong here, James, I think we said that a few times, but from your perspective, I think I know you'll agree. It's easy to find yourself in in a place where you become very, very engrossed in it and very deeply involved in it, especially because you're managing the minutiae in terms of the diet and all the rest of it. And um, which can be very valuable. I think it's worth mentioning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. absolutely. But I think probably this is where we kind of cross over into the other conversations that we like to have is that, you know, making sure you're part of a group of people that are involved in this, because it can be quite a lonely experience, can't it? Bodybuilding, making sure that you're talking to people, the mood stuff that you mentioned earlier on, making sure that that's something that you're talking to people about, that people can kind of check in and go, James, you, you're in a bit of a funny way at the moment. Is everything okay? You, you know, you can go, actually, you know, I've been in a deficit for too long. Let's have a little bit of a break here and make sure that the eating habits that you might adopt during this don't then kind of eat too heavily into the, your social environment, which again, we, we touched on a little point uh, in the previous podcasts and have fun with it. I think of all things, 
it's, it's not fair to say this in, in the way that it's going to sound, but bodybuilding, people can take it a little bit too seriously, I think. It, it, it can become something that people get so involved in, so deeply involved in. It's, they forget it's, to just have, it's so lifestyle dominant. That's exactly that, that, that's, yeah, that's a better yeah. way of putting yeah. it. And, and uh, you know, remember there are other things there. It's, it's a great sport. It's a great uh, uh, thing to do. And it's, it's, it's a the, great... The discipline it can instill is I think is it's fantastic. Class. I genuinely yeah. think it's not something I've done, but I love to watch on. But it's uh, it's also something you can see people kind of struggle a little bit with. So always get that, you know, group of, of people around you and make sure you're part of something bigger, I think, is I think you, useful. You, you, uh, you're not getting another point as you just made one. Community, that, that was my point. <laughs> community and support networks, as with all training, but I think the psychological risk and risk for going into a bit of a binary existence is, is higher with bodybuilding from yeah. a psychological point of view and there's potentially more attachment to certain ways of doing things because it's probably the most well-established resource on the internet which means that there's a lot of information and for people that have been in the in the fitness space for a long time they might feel quite engrossed in the information that's out there so a yeah. point well made johnny thank you very much james mm. finish us off um Shall we talk about what we already uh, what we mentioned? So we spoke about body sets by body part, didn't we? Um, so uh, this this is actually I think this is a massive one. So when we are looking at training as a whole, even if you don't call yourself hybrid, it's a good shout to have some of these um, hybrid principles put into place. So we know that we need to be getting in 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity cardio for example, into like to making sure not just that you are able to perform, but also that you're just generally physically healthy and fit as well. And mm. I think that needs to be addressed in a lot of people as well. I know I've I've kind of put myself into this position before where I'll train five, six times a week in the gym, but do absolutely zero cardio at all. But more to the point, you try and fool yourself, protect your ego in saying, like, oh yeah, my heart rate gets really high during a set of squats, I'm fine like you you feel like oh yeah that's that's that box ticked but it's complete bullshit it's it's not at all true so i think that's a that's a big part of it as well is just making sure that you are even if someone's not running you're getting them to do you know some of their aerobic work on the bike to contribute towards their running fitness or just their fitness as a whole or whatever else it might be recovery capacity sleep quality tolerance for food nutrition partitioning there's only benefits yeah it makes a huge difference yeah but i think think the key one there is is as james says just being healthy living longer and you mentioned walking up the stairs earlier on you know you want to be able to Mm. i've said this before and everybody worries about what i'm doing my kids you want to be able to throw them about a bit you know if you get Tired after wrestling with the six-year-old for five minutes, then there's something wrong with you. Did you, did you get the window fixed at the house, by the way? Uh, well, <laughs> it's his fault. He's the one that went through it, so he can fix it. Yeah, but who threw him, Johnny? Who threw him? It was his birthday. This is not hybrid. It's, it's is just, it? Well, yeah, that's what he screamed as he went out the window. Hybrid! <laughs> Uh, I did have a point there before we spoke about throwing six-year-olds out the window. I think um, we, were, we were kind of summarising the We were, we, we were. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Thomas More as well. Something that's definitely worth mentioning. TM Cycles, f- formerly, previously, now Thomas More on YouTube. He's spoken as well about how much he regrets not doing more cardiovascular work whilst mm. he was really deep in bodybuilding because of the PEDs he was on and the demand that they were having on him. So his long-term health and the consideration and diligent approach he was taking to those... He felt he missed a couple of tricks in terms of the aerobic capacity on top of that that maybe would have stacked a few more health benefits on top of a well-controlled, top-end, experienced bodybuilding setup because it is a part of the sport at the top end. And I think looking after your health when things like that are to be considered as well is is something that's really worth 
hammering home and i think we'd be he he, he is a, he is a fantastic a resource example. for anyone by yeah, the way yeah, yeah. Um, on on anything bodybuilding focused on a on a different pathway now in terms of understanding the psychological side of things from his perspective but um check out thomas moon yeah, yeah ho hopefully we'll get him on here at some point actually yeah, that would be, be up for it uh, he's one um, of I'm, many oops, uh, at sorry. the moment i think uh, we're seeing some big names uh, now having kind of gone through their uh, bodybuilding careers and coming out the other end seeing exactly that i wish i'd looked after and kind of backtracking trying to add some aerobic health now. he's swimming and everything again now isn't it he's just not, enjoying not just him, I mean, like yeah. i say there's quite a few and it's it's, it's a great <clears throat> effect of, of this kind of hybrid environment that, that we've helped to create really is that people are now kind of a little bit more hyper aware and arguably uh, we'll get thomas on and speak to him about it but arguably had he added that aerobic uh, capacity in at the time, not just stacking that on top, he might have been able to stack on more muscle because of the opportunity for peripheral delivery, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff that we've talked about before. So chances are that, uh, that there's an argument there to say that, that the aerobic capacity that you're talking about, even on a maintenance basis, even on a lifestyle basis, will add the opportunity to build muscle in, you know, in, in many ways. So if you can think of a good reason why not to put an aerobic uh, uh, buffer into your bodybuilding then come back to us and we'll tell you you're wrong yeah you know where to find us james you had something to say before we wrapped up didn't you no uh, i was just gonna say even at those extremes of bodybuilding say you know you go right to the levels of mr olympia even those guys are doing cardio granted they're not going out running 5ks or whatever but aerobic work is always going to be in their in their programs and i think in fact going back onto the onto the ped usage point the original bible of the hybrid athlete written by Alex Fielder. I'm pretty sure there is a whole chapter on it talking about cardio for like assisted athletes. Yep. So that's a, that's a pretty good, good resource as well. But yeah, like basically the crux of that chapter is those, those people who are using PEDs have got even more of a reason than anyone else to be doing their aerobic work of a moderate intensity. So yeah. 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 So well, to, to summarize from our perspective, to be brutally honest, bodybuilding slash hypertrophy training alongside performance focused cardiovascular modalities is what I'll hold my hand up and say is the hardest thing to balance from a hybrid point of view. I think so. Uh, but yeah, it's also yeah, the one so. I think makes the most, it, it makes the most sense to pair. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, so let's, so let's yeah, just do, be considerate of it. And when we're saying that let's, let's not over egg that pudding. When we're saying that it's the hardest to balance, it's just the one that has the most considerations. It doesn't mean like, Oh God, that's going to be yeah, too yeah, tough. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do something else. It's just, it's just, we, we are thinking about it from a coaching perspective. Uh, it's fun to do because there's a lot of variables to play with, but uh, like anything, it comes down to the individual, comes down to communication, it comes down to that minimal dose, taking your time, getting it right, and as we've said, having fun with it and looking after yourself. I think that's probably key to end on. on, on yeah, yeah, that that's, it. That, that, that's why we all train the way that we do is because we enjoy it. We've all gone through our share of binary lifestyle focused existences, and I think we've come out the other side, not regretting it, but having instilled the discipline that it gave us we all learned through our own mechanisms and, and yeah, the sort of experiences yeah. that there was more to this for us and we now train the way that we do because we enjoy it and i think that's why everybody listening everybody watching that's how they should train ultimately yeah. so agreed to you everyone and goodbye goodbye yeah.